Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm Bobby Howard. With me today, as always, we've got Jameson, we've got Ty, and um, folks, Bedlam went out on a sour note in Norman. Uh, the Oklahoma State Cowboys um, defeat the Oklahoma Sooners 27-24 in what was an infuriating, frustrating, sloppy game. But look, just like the week before, the win was right there for the taking and the Sooners just didn't. Um, Jameson, I know we have a lot of a lot to vent about here. Um, but since Ty, you know, Ty actually... Uh, because last week you kind of didn't get to vent on a loss. I'm going to let you kick this one off. What, Ty, what, what are your thoughts on this just run of horrible performances we've had? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple ways to look at it. Obviously, these were very embarrassing losses, losing to just the two teams that we lost to. Losing to Kansas um, is is never good. And then obviously losing to Oklahoma State, in a game that meant a whole lot to them uh, in the last, you know, ever bedlam is just tremendously embarrassing. And it's, it's very embarrassing to give, you know, those fan bases and fan bases ammunition that they can sort of use in perpetuity now um, in conjunction with a lot of the other teams that we lost to uh, last season that we're not going to get to play, um, you know, for the foreseeable future. So that's, that's definitely very unfortunate. I mean, there's a couple of different ways to look at it. I, for one, I think that, you know, it's not necessarily that big of a deal in the grand scheme. If you really look at it, I mean, you know, a couple of years down the road, we still have such a dominant record in Bedlam, such a dominant record against Kansas. You know, it's it, building this system under Brent Venables. It's not a lost cause. Um but That's I a mature say, way to think, but I'm thinking in the moment right no, now. But I, I will say no, no. Let me let me finish because it'll segue into into that stuff. But he's, you know, we we still have to learn, and Venables has to learn as a head coach. And one of the responsibilities of a head coach is to deal with your coordinators. And you know, I think that oh, it hasn't been that bad. It hasn't been that bad. It's been bad enough that we can tell where it's trending. People make the argument, oh, if we fire Jeff Levy you know, Jackson Arnold won't play for us. It's not going to matter if Jackson Arnold plays for us. We're going to continue to lose games. We're going to face much, much better opponents next year. Who cares who we have at quarterback? We're going to get smoked. They, oh, we need Jackson Arnold. What? So he can hand the ball off to Gavin Freeman as we try to send Gavin Freeman up the A-gap against Georgia? It's stupid, you know? Look at USC. It doesn't matter if you have a generational quarterback. You need the full team. If, you know, no one like you don't need a star quarterback to win you national championships, which should be our goal at Oklahoma. You need a complete team and sacrificing the offense to say, oh, well, we need Jackson Arnold to play here is absolutely absurd. Stetson Bennett won multiple national championships. You know, A.J. McCarron won national championships at Alabama. We don't need Jackson Arnold. We need. What did that Alabama team have? Great coordinators. What did that Georgia team have? Great coordinators. They didn't have great quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying here. And I, I think there's a, a big part of this podcast that I'm not looking forward to having any part of. But here we go, is talking about the Jeff Levy topic and what we do. And obviously people are talking about, should we pull the trigger on him? And the thing is, people are going to say, you know, of course, 
very reactionary OU fans. We, whenever things are down, we make it even worse. We talk ourselves off mountains and we snowball things. Then there's going to be the other side of people saying like, this is two games we've lost and we've improved. Here's the thing. We have been talking about Jeff Levy's poor play calling since he's been hired. And it hasn't amounted to losses and frustrating and disappointing things on some occasions. But every single game we have looked at it and we are like, that is a bad play. He's not giving our players the options to go and succeed. It's this micromanaging part of football of not letting your players go out there and make decisions for themselves that is not going to work in high levels of football. And I think we need to get ahead of it right now and get rid of them. I mean, yeah, I, I, per, I personally am done. Um, it might be a little bit too quick if you wanted to get rid of him. What's, what's, dif- what's the difference right now? I, like, there's it, nothing. Yeah, no, I'm, well, I, I don't think you, I think you try to coast out the rest of the season. But I, I'm not a fan of the in-season firings because, look, let's be honest, there is not much else to lose. It's it's like the season is done, man. Like, yeah, you can win the Big 12 championship with, like, hypothetically get to a Big 12 championship if, like, a bunch of stuff falls where you want it to go, no, right? Not even going to talk about that. Only hypothet- no, that is a hypothetical. That is possible. That can happen. However... Do you expect us to win close games that we that you need to do to win a Big 12 championship? And they just don't. I believe OU is something like what two and seven and one possession uh games uh in the Brent Venables ten, uh tenure, which you know, of course. Something it might be two and eight. I think it was an even number. Um I I what whatever it is, it's it it's clear to me that the team does not know how to execute down the stretch. The offense does not know how to execute down the stretch. It, the play calling's off. Um, when they can't go tempo, everything kind of falls apart. I feel like. Um, I mean, we've we've seen it where you know the offense will be rolling around and or rolling along, and then you have you know a, a player go down with an injury, and then everything goes goes to hell. I don't think it's a good offensive system if the only thing you have is surprising people that you're going fast and keeping that speed. He And then your center will randomly snap it at the wrong time because you're going too fast, which has happened and, more games than not this year. And that's the thing, too. They are so undisciplined across the board. And that, to me, when you, when you go down to a matter of discipline, uh, not making, you know, not making mistakes, not making penalties, all of that, that falls on coaching, and that falls on Jeff Levy. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. I, I, I just got to get this point out, Ty, and mm-hmm. I, I want your response yeah. because, like, um, the scheme itself of moving fast works in college football, and that's how we've succeeded on offense this year because our conditioning, we're probably better conditioned than the majority of teams we've played thus far. But when it comes down to it, I've seen a absolute clear, cut-and-dry, horrible play calling worse than normal ever since Jeff Levy got called out for our Bryle stuff. I really think mm-hmm. there is a clear, like he is checked out and he is not doing a good job because I think that he is not happy with the way that he was treated. You can tell the way he responded in the press conference. Hell, he hasn't even been able to talk since then. Brent Venables took his, like all assistant coaches away from the press conference. They can't talk anymore. And ever since yes. then, things have been miserable. And I guarantee you, in the back of his mind, 
He's not happy with where he is right now. And the more and more we as a fan base continue to do this is going to make him want out even more. At this point, I just don't see a repair in this relationship between the fans and him and then the program. It's as simple as that. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, he's the one who did it. If that if that really is what if what's doing it, then yeah, I mean, <laughs> sayonara, man. Sorry, I don't think he wants to be loser. here, and I don't think we want him here. Simple. No. It's really as simple as that. It, right. And honestly, it's kind of insane that it fell apart that quick. If that he was, a, he's been an ask play caller from day one, though. Let's be honest. This is nothing well, new. Yeah, this is, this is not. We've, yeah, we've we've seen this before. It's still bad. It feels like it's regressed. It's just a, everything going on. It just it's hard to sort through and have collected you know actually organized thoughts on it because it's just really genuinely bad it's it's the same stuff over and over the same let's go horizontal all of this garbage uh, just the entire philosophy sucks i hate it i'm so done i i am so done jameson brought up a, a really good point because there are there is a conspiracy theory floating around that levy is essentially trying to get fired which personally I don't necessarily buy into because um, he's, I mean, he's had those handful of like really good plays here and there. I, I don't think he's, you know, actively he's trying to get on fired. company time is what but he's doing. I, I think, yeah, I, I think though the situation is clear, right. When it comes to offensive coordinator and, and it's obvious that we should get rid of Levy, but we should hire our Bryles. I mean, that's the only okay. logical solution. And obviously look, I'm joking here, right. But Jeff Levy did exactly the same, like exactly the same thing that Art Bryles did. And we said he was good to hire. And we went over this whole like, oh, if he were good, it still doesn't excuse his past actions. He never should have been hired in the first place, right? There's all these, you know, debates going around about all of that, about whether or not he's a culture fit here and taking accountability. But at the end of the day, right, he should never have been hired in the first place. And this is a perfect excuse for this OU administration and coaching and everything else to cut ties with someone that we never should have had ties with in the first place. Yeah. And yeah. It, the thing is people are going to be nervous about the Jackson Arnold thing. And I think we've already kind of mentioned that in this podcast, but let's just kind of break it down try to put ourselves in Jackson Arnold's shoes. Like how much did he actually come for Jeff Levy? Yes. He had a good relationship with Jeff Levy, but also being proximity from Denton to Oklahoma, he can tell he absolutely bought into this program. The way he was as a leader throughout his recruitment isn't just a guy that was here for the system. He was here for the college too. And I understand we kind of said the same things for Caleb Williams. This is a completely different situation. You cannot make those same um, comparisons. I think right. when it came down to it, Caleb Williams kind of wanted to stay at OU, but the I think everything was broken um, whenever the fans kind of jumped on him, um, whenever Lincoln Riley left. I, I really do think so. Um, but let's let's talk about, you know, Jackson Arnold. Do we put him in right now? Do we, do we start – um, the Jackson Arnold yeah. experience, because I, I know that's a, everyone wants to hear this. So yeah, Bobby, no, what do you think? Abso absolutely, absolutely not. I know people have thought about it and just, but let's be real. Dylan Gabriel, you know, I, I think genuinely deserves better from this program to not to, to pull him now when he's trying to make a push towards, you know, for NFL scouts and all of this sort of stuff, which, you know, he, he's still, 
in that conversation, probably you would imagine. Um, you just gotta, you, you gotta let him play this out. He, he's why, like, why, wish, he's why should we do him a favor? Why shouldn't we be looking out for ourselves at this point? Here's, here's the, the I, I think it's, pitch, right? If you want Arnold to, it's, it's, it's straight up insulting to the guy, Jameson. He hasn't done anything wrong. What do you mean he hasn't done anything wrong? He's obviously he's, he's, done, he's done things. Wrong. He, he's done things wrong. Um, but I'm saying, know, if you're yeah, looking, but I mean, if you're looking at the at the future of this program, I mean, I see both sides of this argument. I'm playing devil's advocate here, but like, sure. like, like, if you're worried about firing Jeff Levy, um, and you're worried about um, Jackson Arnold having him play right now, wouldn't that make you feel a little bit better about keeping him and retaining him? I mean, mate, I, look, I see where you're coming from, but also. In the on the flip side, completely just throwing away your starting quarterback just for the future, also doesn't seem like you care about your players all that much, you know. Overall, which it just to me, I look, I know it's bad. This situation is garbage, but again, the you know college football playoff, all that off the table. Big Twelve championship still a still possibility if you win out. You can still get to ten wins. You can still cover that that line and yeah we'll still call it a disappointing season because we should have done better we should have gone higher than we could have but at the end of the day it we're not at the point where we just ba like give up on the team and give up on the guy who 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 is really performed for us this season i i think that's i think that's just a little bit far-fetched right now to do that I think the other part of that argument, Jameson, that has nothing to do with Dylan Gabriel is, you know, you can make your argument that Jackson Arnold saw something other than Levy <clears throat> in coming to you, that he wants to be part of this university, this history, this system. If that's the case, personally, the last thing I would want to do is have him experience play calling success and on the field success under Levy. If we're talking about, oh, let's get rid of Levy at the end of the year, we're worried if Jackson Arnold's going to stay. Don't let him build that bond on the field where he's going, oh, you know, I only had half a season with him, less than that, but it was really, really good. Let me go elsewhere when he goes versus I'm here for the system, you know, Levy, you know, whether it was Levy's decision, Vittable's decision, whatever else, I never got the call as the first team guy. You know, I don't know what I'm really like. My only memories of playing for Jeff Levy were him trying to use me as a fullback. So true. Yeah. The thing is, here's where I really um, stand with all this. I just kind of wanted to bring up this discussion and kind of play the devil's advocate with Bobby on it. Um, I think what needs to happen is, and I understand Bobby doesn't like this decision. I think we need to move on from Jeff Levy now. Simple as that. Um, and I know that's a reactionary take. Usually I'm not one to be too reactionary, but I just, that what I said was since the Art Bryles thing, I did not like the way he responded to that. I felt like he was directly going against the way our culture was. And I understand why he's trying to defend, like, you know, his wife's husband, his wife's, um, his wife's husband, his wife's father. And I get that. Family means more than your job. But that's just something that we don't want to have to deal with as a program here. And there's some disjointment. If we get rid of Lebby, I think that you wouldn't have to worry about the whole Jackson Arnold, like, you know, having to play quarterback with Jeff Levy as his offensive coordinator. If we get rid of Levy, I say we can play Dylan Gabriel for a couple more games, but I want Jackson Arnold ending this season as our starting quarterback. I don't think right now might be the option, but I think that at some point at the end of this season, um, if we got rid of Jeff Levy, I want Jackson Arnold starting for a couple of the games. 
and I get it. I I just genuinely don't think Levy's in. I don't think he's actually in danger of losing his job right now. Um, just being honest, I think that we're in a position where, yeah, he looks a little checked out. Yeah, the play calling has not been great, but ultimately, your OU is spiraling. And, but the games, you know, the fixes they're they're there. They're attainable, and spire th- throwing the team into a spiral, you know, would drama by completely getting rid of your OC just doesn't seem like the right decision right now. I understand that. But also the same fact is like this offense was put in a position to succeed um, and fix these correctable things. But if you're talking about the UCF, the Kansas and the Oklahoma state defenses, those are some of the worst defenses in college football by the numbers. I think like Oklahoma state going into this game was like 112th in total defense in the country. Like, that's embarrassing. And UCF and Kansas absolutely are very close to those numbers as well. I am I guarantee you they're below top 75. Um, it, it's just not acceptable to where we're having these, oh, there's easy fixes. Well, guess what? <laughs> we're not playing that good of opponents to begin with. How can we fix things down the line if we can't do it versus the opponents we've been going against? It's straight up as that. Well, it's the, the biggest issues are – I mean, it's play calling and it's it's mistakes. You know? We there's and things that are fixable. Play. We just don't have tools. I, I know. Bobby. I know. We 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 no. I'm with you. We need to get. I think we do need to get rid of Levy. I think Levy needs to go. But I, it's like I feel like firing him now is a bad move. It just it, a little what, too, just little, keeping a guy that doesn't want to be here is a good move. It look. Oh, we have three more games left in the season. Like let just just reevaluate after the season. Get to the end. Try to figure it out. Cobble something together. Give the guy an opportunity. I'm not. I'm not. I'm done. I am done with him. But I also feel like throwing the locker room into chaos is a bad idea. I feel like it might actually help it. I guarantee the locker room might be in chaos because we're not. We're not giving these players the ability to succeed. They're doing the same stuff over and over that is not working. And I bet you there's a couple players in the locker room right now are kind of getting pissed off. And also, you know, whenever he's a play caller up in the press box, you really don't get that much of a relationship with him during the game. You don't really get to see him much. It's not like I don't know their relationship with the coach. Obviously, I'm assuming a lot of things here. I don't know how they react with him during practice. But at the same time, I just can't say that, like, you know, there's this extreme allegiance to Jeff Levy that the players are going to just – burn the locker room down if we got rid of him now after two straight losses right now one to our big rival in-state rival i i could see how players would understand that and if you keep someone on within you know seth latrell who they probably have somewhat of a relationship with it shouldn't be too much of a rocky jump and transition as a you know interim offensive coordinator here's the other thing too on the offense and i think we as we kind of transition into into the players a little bit. Also, quick side note, um, noted potential sleeper agent for OSU, Bobby, is convinced yeah, that true. Levy should remain on OU staff. I am so sick of this joke, and I am <laughs> no. genuinely so done with the sleeper agent right, thing. Right. If, if y'all listening on a podcast, you should have seen how far Bobby's eyes rolled right to no, the back of his head almost. Here's a real, here's a real legitimate hater take, right? Let's say that firing Levy in the season or at the end of the season causes some sort of walkout on the offense. What exactly do we lose, right? Gabriel's gone at the season. Drake Stoops is gone at the season. 
oh, the O-line walks out. Oh, no, we're going to have to get a completely new O-line. Everyone's going to be devastated that this, As long you know, as Beal beat and Bo still here, they're, yeah, we're not losing. You know, it's like who's, bad. you know, the, the running You're backs are going to walk out. Marcus Major is going to try to walk out. I think he's a senior anyways. He'll run into the double doors and fall over. He'll get zero yards trying to walk <laughs> out. It's like, is it really like losing this offensive, you know, group and just kind of starting over? to next season is that really going to be that big of a blow we're talking about a team that can't like you touched on we can't even score 28 on some of statistically the worst uh, defenses in college football it's going to be really really challenging you know not to continue to beat on this you know sec drum i understand some of these teams have had a bad year this year it's going to be really challenging to look competent against alabama if we can't look competent against central florida for example Bobby, you mentioned the recruiting class, and I will say this. Just paying attention to recruiting, a lot of these offensive commits, have you noticed them saying, like, oh, I really have this great relationship with Jeff Levy is the first name they mention? It's usually their position group coach that they mention first. Taylor Tatum. I've got a great relationship with DeMarco Murray. Then you hear Brent Venables, and then maybe Jeff Levy's number three. You know, going down the recruiting class because that's our biggest one that we don't want to lose i think davion uh davon mitchell i almost said davion um davon mitchell um it would probably be the number two guy he talks about joe john finley you know um i don't hear levy's name first so they have a current backbone to fall back on yes anytime you lose an offensive coordinator in the middle of the season before early signing day is scary and you're like saying, oh, let's just wait until after. And then like they sign their name on the line and then deal with the letter. That doesn't stop anything. You know, like people can sign their name on the line and move. Like it's happened in NCAA. It's happened. Trey Bradford, you know, like transfers in and he enrolls and then immediately leaves. Like there's a lot of loopholes. Fair. Yeah. And I just, I, I'm just a little dodgy about it in season. I think it does need to happen. And look. I would love Seth Luttrell to kind of pop, pop in and take that spot because you know who he coached, Jameson? Jason, Jason Bean. Bean. Yep, he yep. Could, Wait till we Wednesday. Little, I, got, I got a big spot that I got to talk about Jason Bean. If we could get a little bit of that Bean Man magic going in Norman, I, I would not I would not be Jason opposed. Jason Bean has no more eligibility left, just throwing that out there, unfortunately. Well, I mean, well, we, we could be like, hey, Jackson Arnold, we can make you the next Jason Bean. No, that is actually <laughs> very you're making me feel a lot better. My mood is going up, skyrocketing right now. Yeah, that, that's a very, very appealing uh, prospect. Um, look, we I feel like we've talked a lot about the program overall and the offense overall, but uh, want to kind of focus in a little bit on you know uh, the game, some of the perf- performances. Um, honestly, running backs, very weird one. Uh, the stats, if you see them, you make it, it might make you think that it's like some sort of crazy great game. Gavin Sawchuk had a hundred had 111 yards, but most of them were on that massive, massive touchdown, which was wonderful. It's, and then it's negative Rogers nine was, yards for Javante Barnes. Except for everyone looking like, at this graphic, it's, it's not it's negative like, 19, but it's still really bad. I'm sorry. Continue <laughs> on with your reading. Tawi Walker had eight carries for 59 yards and a touchdown. I don't understand why we. Why why in the world do we even bring in Javante Barnes? Why in the world do we even bring in Dalen Smothers for the first time? We're desperate, we're desperate. I kind of like Dalen Smothers, but that's just desperate. But don't get even don't get me started again on Javante Barnes, Bobby. I just can't do it. He's not, he's just not it. I, I they don't direct snap to him. him. 
They didn't even hand the ball to him once. They just direct snapped him to injure him, threw a freaking heater into his chest. Apparently, he wasn't even supposed to get the snap. Like, so why was he there? Then why did he try to hand it back to Dylan Gabriel? That stupid hot potato Trying to hand it to Dylan Gabriel mid-play. He said, I don't want this. I don't want to deal with this. Javante Barnes didn't didn't even want to run the ball. No, the worst part was he didn't even look that panicked necessarily. He just looked confused and was like, I think you're supposed to have this. And then they both got smoked. It was just like. That is not Andrew Rain, man. You, I, I, I heard. I think um, Kerry Murdoch was talking about it um, on their post game and saying like Andrew Rain's been taking this really hard. Andrew, yes, you've been having a really tough season. I'm, I don't want to just make things any better, but you've been having a really tough season. You're snapping, and I don't know if it's just a scheme, but man, you have really screwed us over in some snaps, some mm-hmm. real big bad snaps this whole year. You've played Especially decent blocking, game. but man, your snapping has just been pitiful. I mean, especially this game when he bonked uh, Dylan Gabriel on the head with that, you know, wrong snap. He said he heard a clap and just, ugh, it's bad. It's bad. The, the two fumbles, you know, just, I mean, one of the reasons why OU was so good earlier this season is because of our great turnover ratio. And, even though like we kind of matched Kansas last week, you can see what happens when the turnover t- turnover battle isn't in our favor. We still should have won the game. Honestly, mm-hmm. it was right there for the taking. If you just have good play calling down the stretch on offense, you can win this game. We were getting everything we wanted when we went deep, when we went long with specifically Drake Stoops, who honestly, honestly, the poor guy had probably the game of his career. 12 receptions, 134 yards and a touchdown and was incredible. He was, he was Drake's Drake Stoops has kind of tortured Oklahoma state over his whole time frame being at OU. And he, he it was just, just again, uh, what a great performance there. Um, I got to say, do we, do we want to talk about the, the officiating or because no, it's not, we, re- we need to talk it's more, not the we reason not, we, I, I want to keep continue talking about the we need, offense. Yeah, we, we need to talk more about individual. I mean, obviously the officiating, will, I'm sure we'll get into that. But individual receivers, I think, we need some more. Yeah. Let, 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 me, let me make one point here, Bobby, that you're talking about, like, getting yourself in the position to succeed. I feel like this team got labeled a clutch team with the Dylan Gabriel, you know, one-minute drive versus Texas. Completely understand that. But right now, when it comes down to it, our defense – in turnovers, you're talking about we've been so good because our defense is putting our offense to succeed because of the turnovers. We are squandering opportunities this year. And it's the reason we have lost these past two games is because we are not taking control of the game. When the defense goes out there, defense isn't meant to stop the offense every single drive. The defense will give up big plays and they will give up points. The defense, it's going to be all across the country a bend don't break thing. There's always going to be opponents whenever you're playing quality opponents that will score points against you. Whenever they obtain turnovers, especially whenever it's big time in the fourth quarter, when the game is at stake, offense needs to go out there and put their foot on somebody's throat. And this is the second game in a row. It hasn't happened. And it's clear the reason for it is horrible play calling after it. And you saw it versus Kansas. 
horrible, horrible runs, no aggressiveness, not putting your best players in the best position to succeed. We saw it again this game. If you look at the turnovers and what we did after it, it is embarrassing. We had multiple fourth down stops, and I just am embarrassed as an OU fan watching this team go from up and down, this whole undulating feeling of our defense just made a huge play, and then the offense just lays out the biggest stinker. It's just absolutely unacceptable. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, 10 of um, Oklahoma State's points came on her like their whole second half scoring all came off of turnovers um which to me like you clearly got to blame that on the offense so not only are they giving oklahoma state good positions but they aren't capitalizing off the uh, off their mistakes and that's been like that all season long we i mean just think about us talking about texas being like you know, we oh we couldn't beat them by more it's kind of true because we didn't capitalize off of a single Texas turnover. We didn't capitalize off of the stops in the, uh, the early part of the UCF game. And it just, it, it just keeps happening over and over and over again. That the Billy Bowman interception turning into the Dylan Gabriel pooch punt enraged me. Absolutely. I didn't know he could do that. Well, that's good for him, but we went out there and Tolly Walker had a good run, and then it's legitimately similar what happened. We just re- kept running, running, running. I understand it was working the whole game, but if you think that Dylan Gabriel is your best player, you let him do something on third and five. Tolly Walker should not be running the ball for us on third and five. That is awful. Not acceptable. You put your best players. You know, you put the ball in the best player's hand if you think Dylan Gabriel's that. And it's just not, that's just not the right decision. It's embarrassing. If you want to be aggressive and say, okay, I'm going to run the ball in third and five because this is four down territory. If you get zero yards, you nut up and you go for it on that fourth down. It's just super conservative, plain safe. It's Dylan Gabriel saying, oh, I mean, uh, it's Jeff Lebby saying, oh, it didn't work out. That's too risky for me. I don't want to take that risk. I, well, I try to bail me out again. No, uh, uh-uh. hell no. And it's just it's just weird play calls at weird times. And we we haven't even talked about the last play of the game, which was that really crappy bootleg throw it to Drake Stoops, who's not even he's, he doesn't even have the distance. So I would why? like to say Drake Stoops probably ran that route wrong too, because I don't they, think he's calling a three yard out route, but that well, it's no so one dimensional. Because you know what we were saying this whole time that, you know, oh, Jeff Lebby only calls plays for one route. There's three, four route runners on the field, but really there's only one route that matters. And it's the one that Jeff Lebby is thinking that play is the epitome of that because it's like, it's going to Drake Stoops no matter what. And if he doesn't run the route right or something goes wrong, it's done. The, the other thing on that play in sort of, I don't know in whose defense this would be, but it, Stoops was only open because the OSU corner was just sitting at the down marker. I mean, it was like the same as when you're going for a, a Hail Mary and your guy catches it at the 20 because all the safeties and corners are in the end zone. Like it was, he he would not have been open had he run it, you know, to the down marker. So I'm really not even sure what was going on there. But on the topic of receivers, um, I think you're really, you really, really saw it in this game. I think even more than the Kansas game, just the impact of of injuries, you know, to Andrew Anthony, 
And then we also saw, you know, unfortunately that Nick Anderson, you know, still needs some development. I think realistically, right, to give credit to Jeff Levy, Jeff Levy called a 31-point game for OU. And Nick Anderson dropped that pass that would have been a touchdown that was appropriately called, appropriately executed up until the point of catching the ball. And, you know, is that a developmental thing or not? Um, I, I don't know, but there's obviously, there's more things with this offense. I mean, I felt like the running back room started to click, but uh, another thing I wanted to touch on um, in regards to the passing game is the Dylan Gabriel run threat has just disappeared. And I don't know if that's a, a coaching thing, but I feel like at this point in the season, right, I don't want him to get hurt, but I feel like it's much lower risk when you only have a couple games left. We've already won our biggest game, and now we're in game time situations that we're not calling. The, we have some brilliant, brilliant Dylan Gabriel, you know, planned runs earlier in the season, and then some really, really good runs, um, you know, spur of the moment play breaking down. And it doesn't seem like anyone's really supremely changed the way that they're defending Dylan Gabriel. Uh, it seems like just schematically we've we've eliminated that as an option. And that's been a big loss to this defense as well, because you talk about that, you know, third and five play. I feel like early on in the season against Texas, we would have had some really good route runners. And then Dylan Gabriel also with the flex to maybe carry that himself um, if need be. And, and we've sort of, I think, artificially just taken that out of our offense, couple that with injuries and, you know, uncertainty. And now here we are. Yeah, it it is just gone, which is weird. And it's not I, – I think the thing you're bringing up, like, that they've, like, removed it, I think you're you're right because there are a lot of times where there are Gabriel-designed runs, like, all the time. They just aren't getting those at all. It wasn't like he just – of course, there were times where he'd find opportunities and then dart off, but, you know, the designed run, losing that is um, really unfortunate. Just tra trading that in for jet sweeps, pretty bad, pretty bad trade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, let's talk about the defense a little bit, and then we'll get into the whole ref debacle. Um, defense, I feel like, did what they needed to do. It's as straight up as that. Like I said, um, I thought they played well, especially without their, you know, their keystone and Danny Stutzman um not being out there i feel like kip lewis really really showed out and made me feel good about the future of this linebacking crew um he just is all over the field and he played every every single time and i've done this too everyone's gonna talk the undersized kip lewis he, he plays bigger it's as simple as that and we don't have to look at his weight anymore because he continues to play he does not make plays like an undersized player he plays like he's bigger and the thing is the defense did what they were supposed to do I, I don't know if we want to overanalyze the defense. I thought that they played a game where you should win. I I agree. I thought the defense definitely played good enough to win. They clearly were just like, hey, let's let Alan Bowman beat us and focus in on Ollie Gordon. And I think that was, a I think, a smart plan overall because, you know, Bowman fell off a cliff, you know, in that second half. He, he looked pretty good earlier, early. He was clicking. But he just didn't – I feel like everything eventually fell apart for him, um, which, you know, it's pretty good. But they – even though Ollie Gordon had, what, 137, I believe? Yeah, um, he ran for yeah. 33 attempts. <laughs> like. Yeah, he – like, they were grinding Ollie Gordon for sure. 
but he didn't get any like real big home run like runs or anything. I, I thought they handled it pretty well. And Kip Lewis, that man needs to play. Um, he was excellent, just incredible in relief of Stutzman. Uh, I thought Kobe McKenzie was great as well. Um, like looping him in because well, let's be honest, um, Jaron Canick, another absolute stinker of a performance. Uh, shout out to Brent for having the the, the guts to pull him and get the better guy in because McKin- uh, Kobe McKenzie was awesome. Um, the whole linebacking core was really, really good, mm-hmm. I will say. Yeah, I, I got to slip. I, I have to have my opportunity to slip my my hater take in here. Ollie Gordon was the third best running back in this game. I think he's maybe the sixth best running. If you look at the stats, right, he's the sixth best running back that um, has played OU this year. Yeah, in terms of yards. Well, even in attempts. I mean, they just give it to him all the time. And I think, right, obviously, oh, Oklahoma State beat OU. Ollie Gordon had his chance to show the world that he deserved to be anywhere near the Heisman conversation. And he showed that he was good, but this is not a running back that should be anywhere near the Heisman conversation. He did get hurt. He was playing hobbled. He was was not looking great before the injury. This is why I told everyone in the group text, I hope he's okay, because I don't want to hear any excuses for why he has three yards per carry. He cleaned it up a little bit, I guess, and got into the fours, but yeah, have to against OU second. And he threw an interception against OU second. Yeah, threw an interception against OU second. That should be if he's on the Heisman. If he's on the Heisman night, I want to see the whole stat line. I want to see over one, yeah. one interception at the end of touchdown it. interception <laughs> ratio is the most important Heisman metric. I, that's why Drake I, May I, should be nowhere near that conversation either. I tweeted when that happened. I was like, oh wait, they let Jeff Lebby call one play for OSU. How cool of them. Because <laughs> that is actually absolutely some Jeff Levy stuff right there. Mm. I don't know what the hell that play call was. Yeah, it's it, the I was happy with the way our run defense play, but in actuality, um, not having a sack versus a guy like Alan Bowman's unacceptable. I understand their scheme; they've really tried to get away from having the ball too long in the pocket. But this is Alan Bowman; his escapability is nil. It's one of the worst that you'll see all year. And having zero sacks is not acceptable. PJ Adebowari needs to continue to develop, and we need to get some other guys in this system because it's it's embarrassing at this point that we're not log- logging as many sacks. Because, I mean, we were happy with Ethan Downs these past couple weeks, but I want to see someone fire off the edge on the outside and go make a sack themselves because of how good of a play they made. And we didn't see any of that last game. Yeah, and I got to say, our uh, our good pal uh, Mason here uh, brought up a good point. OSU's O-line is really, really improved uh, this year in the Big 12. Um, I believe Kansas State didn't even touch Pullman uh, in their game earlier this season. So it isn't like it's OU, like OU hasn't, everyone else is just destroying Bowman, just blowing up that backfield. Um, that O-line at Oklahoma State is pretty good, but at, at some you should, point, you should still at get some point, you're right, though. At some point, you need to out, out athlete them. You know when you when you have the athletes you have, and yeah, we don't have the size yet. You know we're, we're you know, kind of cobbled together with guys like Bothroyd and um, that sort of you know just transfer guys who are pretty good, but they're not David Stone. So getting yeah. getting yeah, we got we got those, 
the past two weeks. As simple as that. Kansas yeah. and Oklahoma State guys that are, you know, not the level of athletes that we are just completely manhandled us. Yeah. Which is not good. Which is really not good. Um, so hoping that, you know, some more and look, it's just gonna get worse from here, you know. Uh lines are pretty big, pretty big in the SEC. So um if you can't handle it against Oklahoma State, it's gonna be pretty tough um over there looking forward. Um that I'm trying to think of other defensive things. Um the 97 yard touchdown drive to seal OU is not good. Um obviously it had those penalties. Yeah. I just part. What can we please get a hold back guy for Venables at this point? This is ridiculous. It just it's just ridiculous. Like the second week in a row, the guy gets a you know gets a gets a sideline warning or whatever a personal foul. Awful. You gotta you gotta control yourself and you gotta not repeat the same mistake that screwed you last week. And we mm-hmm. keep doing that over and over and over again, and it's maddening. Yeah, it's, I mean, we talk about those little things on on the coaches, and then especially when that was on a play where we already had a 15-yard penalty uh, for pass interference, and then we tack another 15 yards on it, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's essentially a third of the field that we've just handed to Oklahoma State uh, because of lack of discipline, I mean, on on the players and on on Venables. And that's, that's obviously not what we're, what we're trying to build. You know, obviously the passion is, is great. And, you know, a unsportsmanlike conduct on a coach can be a bit of a subjective uh, penalty. You know, I'll start to tease the waters for getting into the refs here a little bit, but probably not nothing. Just just probably went too far. Yeah. And, and, but you just can't, again, it's like the overall game. You can't put yourself in a situation where you can get screwed over like that. It's just, you have to know that stuff, you know, whether it's getting a get back guy out there, some grad assistant that just is supposed to hold him back or, or whatever else it, we can't have things like that, especially, you know, did that cost us the game? It, well, we lost anyways, but it certainly didn't help the game. Um, you know, so it's, we have to clean up stuff like that because you do have to, you know, wonder what if we didn't give up so many yards and penalties, you know, what if we didn't get that extra 15 yards on, on that stuff, you know, it it just continually adds up and adds up and adds up. And it does make a difference, especially when like Bobby touched on, it's just a repeated thing now at this point. Um, At some point, you know, the excuses have to, you know, Oh, I was in the heat in the moment or whatever else you expect the players to go out there and execute, you know, and not have penalties in the heat of the moment. Um, and they're under, you know, immensely more pressure than, than the coaches in terms of the dangers for them out on the field. So yeah, stuff like that. I mean, obviously we're still in a bit of a, I guess, a grace period. He is a new head coach. You know, this is a new system. We're still trying to build the culture. We're still, we're still trying to build, you know, identity. We were in a transitional period remaining in the big 12 anyways, but you know, we're not trending in the right direction with this stuff. I, I think this is a good transition to finally talking about the pass interference call. And I feel like a lot of people want to hear about this. And it's a shame that this has happened two straight years in Stillwater that we have an asterisk as OU fans whenever we talk about this. 
um, we lost because of A, we lost this because of B, you know, and straight up, I understand there is absolute data to show that the referees have been hosing Oklahoma since the SEC thing. We talk about the holding calls between Texas and um, Oklahoma last year where there was like, what, three total, I think I saw the number. I'm not sure on the stat, but very, very few overall holding calls against Oklahoma and Texas. That play was clear as day, a pass interference. And I'm one of the people, like least, I, I never talk about refs is the reason we lost the game. I hate doing it. But when there's a referee standing right in front of it, has a perfect view of it, there's no excuse that that's not called a pass interference. There's absolutely none. And I hate that for now, the rest of time for Oklahoma fans growing up in this state, and they see the Oklahoma State kid on the playground, and they talk about, oh, Oklahoma State had the last win, and there will always be the, oh, well, they just didn't call the pass interference, so this game doesn't count. I hate that we have to bring that up as an asterisk. I absolutely hate it. I just wanted this game to be fair and square. Oklahoma State beat us. Because other than that play, Oklahoma State went out there and punched us in the face and beat us. But we're going to continue to talk about that play call, and it's going to make some BS arguments between Oklahoma State fans and Oklahoma fans that I just don't want to hear. And it's just nasty, and I hate it. Yeah, it's not the reason we lost, because hypothetically— It, it, it is a large reason we lost. We it's, would, it's have, won, we would have won the game, most likely, if, it, if they would have called that. Je Jeff Levy would have called, like, uh, three Javante Barnes like draws, and then we bring out Zach Schmidt, and we miss the game-winning field goal. <laughs> no, we would have we would have brought out Zach Schmidt. We would have kicked, and then we'd be sitting there with a minute left, going, "We're one, we're one point down now." <laughs> Why do we do that? Wait a second. <laughs> no, we're like, oh, we could get the ball back. <laughs> no, it's it'll it's, build his um, confidence for the onside. It's going to build his confidence for the next game. Oh, <laughs> um, no, it's I, genuinely though, genuinely though. Um, it is a large part of a loss, but it's not the reason. And ultimately, you know, this, this has already happened in Bedlam last time in Stillwater during the lame duck period. You can't play so close and so mistake filled that you need these type of plays to go in your favor to win the game because they won't. They absolutely won't. Old daddy or something. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Bobby, I'm I'm really sick of people saying this is not the reason we lost the game. Duh. Football is a game that takes over three hours. There's going to be multiple reasons you lost the game, but it is the biggest reason. It is legitimately at the top of the list of why we lost this game. So whenever you say it is not the reason, it is legitimately the biggest reason that we lost this game. Straight up. I mean, it's the biggest moment. I would say. Yeah. If so we, therefore, I think that it's a, it's it's a significant data point that we need to bring up. And I think that people just dismiss it like, oh, it's not the reason because we had a bad game for the rest of the game. Duh. But it is legitimately a game that took like, the odds of you scoring off the one or two yard line is what, like 80, 90 percent. And that's seven yeah. points we lost right there. Yeah. I mean, it's massive and it's genuinely embarrassing um, that it it was allowed to happen like that. It's a, a just objectively awful call. It's a bad look for the big 12. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I, I think you can't allow moment when you know, when you know you're on the way out, you can't allow moments like this to define it. 
you have to you have to have this thing done and dusted. Um, it had had like OU had the chance to put it away earlier, where you don't have to rely on the kindness of a ref to see an obvious pi. I and I know that. I know you get it. I'm tired of hearing that. It's a legitimate part of the game. We've I know it's ridiculous. a significant amount of points because of that. I understand we should have played better. We should have won the game by double digits. We were a six, seven point favorite. We shouldn't be losing in the fourth quarter, but that call should happen. And we should be I getting agree. more points than what we got. I'm tired of hearing this. You should have done better beforehand and not be put in that situation. Of course, but we yeah. still no, need I get that it. call. I, I agree. I, I'm not saying we shouldn't have gotten the call. We should have gotten that call. It is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. You know, like you make that call in freaking Little League. He's right there. It's awful. Atrocious. But three turnovers. And it's like, it's one of those where it's like holistically, there are so many issues with the game. And I, I know, but you're right. That moment, garbage, ridiculous. And it's something the Big 12 should feel pretty damn ashamed no. about. No, they're not going to be ashamed about it. No, of course not. They're 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 pumped. They're pumped. Oh, your Mark's happy about it. I'm sure. I oh, saw him in the hallway before the game, just walking around with the security guy. <laughs> I do have to say, just to clarify, I forgot Oklahoma State had 27. I do, in fact, know that 24 plus three is 27. So we, we would not have been. I forgot um, that they did not have 28. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of with Bobby. It, it's one of those. It, this wasn't like 2006 Oregon, where it was just hard fought game you know, pure ref botch job loses us the game. You know, I think that, yes, they should have called it, but like we've touched on, three turnovers, uh, you know, a drop touchdown pass that should have been in there uh, to begin with, and then just a whole host of of other things that become, you know, increasingly difficult to actually quantify with a measurement, you know, got us into that position. I That was, you know, the icing on the cake, so to speak. The, the cake had already been baked at that point. Did that call, um, you know, cost us us the game? Yeah, I, I thought I, the Vickers PI it. was bad too. Yes, I get it. I totally understand what y'all are saying. I'm just tired of hearing it because, legitimately, and I understand I'm playing butterfly effect with this, but the game is completely different. Completely different. If we get that touchdown, everything's. Different. I mean, for sure. And for sure. it's just yes, we should have been in a better position. I don't care. We were in that position in that moment. And the game would have shifted significantly if we would have gotten that touchdown and we were it, it was taken away from us. And I don't want to get like, you know, people are gonna be like, oh, here's this OU fan who's obviously biased talking about this one play that he thought could have shifted the whole game. It would have cut off. It would it have. have. No, I agree. It absolutely would have. We lost by three points. It's that's yeah, I, that's, and I, I understand it. Butterfly effect. It would have been a completely different game. It's just not acceptable. It's like you know, it reminds it's it's a little bit different because it's not as late in the game. But, you know, like the Saints Vikings from the playoffs back in like 2020, uh, 2019, 2020 season, like that pass interference was as clear as day. Obvious wasn't called and people continue to talk about it to this day. I think that if we are going to continue to have beef with Oklahoma State fans, that pass interference call will continue to get talked about for history. And I am not excited to have that. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm of the belief that we're just going to ignore them at this point because they got this one. It's whatever, you know, we we still have 90 wins. 
I understand that, but like it sucks. It sucks it because like its recency bias is so much stronger than like the stats. Yeah, no, for sure. And but you know, when OU's in the SEC and all that, it's like sure, whatever. But I I I I hate it. I think I'm just tr- honestly probably trying to cope a little bit. Um it's bad. It's it's really bad. Um and overall, the officiating just in the Big 12, it's, it, it feel like it's ramped up since we beat Texas in terms of the just garbageness. And I just I'm ready to get out of this place. It's it's done. It's 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 I'm just so tired of this lame duck situation where everywhere we go, everywhere, everyone's going to rush the field if they beat us or enchant SEC. I'm sick of it. I'm ready to move on and get just get past this and just get into this new era. These three years have been exhausting and I'm so tired of it. I'm tired of the bad officiating. I'm tired of the funkiness. I I'm tired of all of it. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I will say that it's, it's almost, I don't want to complain about, obviously we had a losing season last year, but it, the records could be worse, but I almost feel like it's worse when the team gives you, but you know, it's like that. Oh, they're the worst part is that we had hope, you know, we, we've been given hope with this team. And then when we get these big letdowns, it's even more crushing. I mean, I don't think there's a good way. It doesn't matter when you lose to Oklahoma state, you lose to Oklahoma state. That's, that's a big loss. I don't think this one hurts, you know, for me any more or less because it's the last one in the moment. They all, they all suck, you know, losing to Kansas, that one sucks. It's, it's almost worse when we had hope, you know, we had a lot of hope for this team. We thought, you know, we came into the season, I think with pretty realistic expectations and continued to show an improved team from the year before. And then obviously, you know, preach on the choir here, but the Texas win. And then all of a sudden, you know, if we beat that Texas team, we should have beat everyone else, um, you know, following on. And then of course, central Florida, maybe some, some big game hangover, you know, not to get Jamison going on, on that one, but (laughs) It's just, it's so, it's even more crushing when we thought that we were sort of through this stuff and then here it comes again. You know, we're having these same discussions on, you know, this team, but I I feel like we are improved a little bit. I'm seeing people that are saying, you know, that this OU team maybe isn't improved from last year. And I think that's just not the case. I I think statistically, um, if you look at those like, oh, we're top whatever in the nation. We look a little bit better maybe than we are. Um, on paper, we look a little bit better maybe than we are because of our schedule, especially in terms of the defense, especially you know the offense is still riding on some of those early season games uh, to boost that. But this is certainly a team that is overall trending in the right direction. And um, you know, as much as these conversations hurt to continue to have with these losses, um, you know, we don't necessarily know what is to come. I'm not really 100% sure where I thought I was going with this because um, there's really no salvaging the, the Big 12 stuff at this point. But it's, I guess, I don't know. Things could be worse. Yeah. I can't, I, I, I can't think yeah, of a re- I can't think of a way, fair. but they could. I- <laughs> we could have lost to Tulsa and we could be the worst team in the state. At least, at least we're the second best team in the I'm state. glad you brought this up, Ty, because I feel like a lot of fans in terms of their cope is, are they doing this? Where it's like, you know, we've at least improved this season and there is a track 
towards better times. You know, we were six and seven this season. Look at us now. Like we have absolutely made a huge jump, but guess what? The six and seven last season should not be used as a comparison value. It shouldn't because that's not what we, in terms of our talent and what you expect is an Oklahoma fan and you know, us as alumni, that's not, that's not, that's not what we should expect. You should not use that season as a comparison value at all. So in terms of what we're doing this season, it's disappointing. It really is. And if we can, if we can kind of turn the season around, it's a disappointing season, but at least it's something that we can like muster and be like, okay, you know, we lost a couple games, you know, say if we lose three games this season, I'll be like, that's okay. We can move on and do better this season, but that's a disappointing season. And I'm not going to try to find the optimism in it. So the middle ground of it is like, you know, Kansas and uh, Oklahoma stay on the road or both bowl eligible, very good teams that we lost to. So like, I see both sides of the argument. Like there were close games too. You know, I think Kansas and OSU both turned out a lot better than we thought, um, both in preseason. And I would say in preseason, um, even up to like the middle point of the season as well. uh, After that Texas game, I think they look a lot better. Um, I will say this, I, I and I kind of want to ask, um, is there a way in your mind for the season not to be considered a disappointment? Uh, what would that scenario be? Um, to me, I think it would be OU winning out, weaseling their way into the Big 12 championship, winning that. that yeah, I think that would be a it. very good season. That's that would be the, a very good season. That's the only season. way. And that's the only way. And the the road is extremely difficult right now. Just looking at the standings, you know, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, us, um, we are all teams with, and then Kansas as well, two conference, and then West Virginia and Iowa State too, all two lost conferences. And then Oklahoma State has one loss and Texas has one loss. You know, it's the road there in terms of tiebreakers is going to be shaky, and you're going to have to see a lot of havoc happen that I I would really have to dive into the math of it. It's just, it's going to take a lot of help. Well, I, I think I think obviously to me, what needs to happen first and foremost is Texas has, has to take another loss because we have tiebreaker. Oh yeah, over that's them. that's that's it. That's the biggest deal. Because it, I kind of feel like it would have to be Oklahoma State again oh, because I don't. I, that would be OSU. Wonderful. OSU doesn't play like anybody. They play UCF on the road. They play Houston on the road, and then BYU at home. That's the remainder of their schedule. Texas, on the other hand, looked a little shaky last week. Still, they got to go on the road to TCU, who obviously they're they're cheeks, but you know, all, all uh, <laughs> T- TCU absolute. It's a, it's a night game. You never know. It's a night game, and Sunny Dykes like look. There's nothing Sunny Dykes loves more than an upset. So you know, even though even though they're bad, you know he you know he's just licking his chops, you know, ready for some some funkiness and funky town uh, and then to they have Ames. to go third best gotta go to Ames. Ames. Bobby. hey third best maybe second best you never know what i was you're creeping up they're creeping no, up they're i don't care about old. the kansas loss they're gonna get whopped at that game iowa state is gonna oh my god dude i don't know man honestly no, I, no, I, I, know, I know they're no. bad I know they're bad, but Texas and and things are weird, man. Things have been pretty weird for both of these teams uh, for the like since Red River, honestly. Like Texas almost lost to Houston on the road, so and then it, Tech at home, they, they should. 
Tech at home, like I think they can beat Tech at home pretty good. Uh, horns. Oh my god. Um, TCU next week. I. I ugh. <laughs> That's not what I want. K State Frogs, please. K State blunder of the next dimension. It's unbelievable how bad that they just crumbled away that game. If if you're talking about Texas loss scenarios, I think we've already pa- our ship has passed. Maybe that could have been that could have been the one, but then you have to worry about trying to get in over K State and it'd be a mess. OSU's not losing again. Kansas still has to play K State. Um, I don't think anything else is pretty tricky with their schedule. And then K State, I know Ty is sitting over here loving this. He's like, "Oh no, they're talking about schedule like no, everyone's I... favorite podcast segment." <laughs> I have a good, I have a good uh, sort of alternate answer, I guess, to this one. When you guys wrap up, everyone's schedule analysis for everyone. I, I'm done. I'm almost done with this podcast at this point. So go for it. Fair. Can, so can, so can, I will like, say. Go ahead. I was gonna say KU has Texas Tech, K State, and Cincy. Don't even talk about it. You lose to K State. Cincy. It's not too late for Cincy to spoil the the whole party. <laughs> K State has KU and Iowa State. Oh, never know. But anyways, that's that's what it looks like. It's gonna be an uphill battle, but you know, you never know. So. Ty, Ty, yeah, you take it away, man. What's yeah, up? so obviously, you know, to just to repose the question again, in what way can this season now be salvaged and, and not considered to be a, a total loss at this point? Obviously, the, the big one, first and foremost, is, you know, whatever absolute chaos that could occur that could result in us at least making it to Dallas for for the Big 12 championship game, obviously extremely unlikely at this point. Like, we've we've just delved into, but the other one that is a possibility because this one is chosen a bit subjectively. They love their storylines is of course that because we are now not good, we could end up potentially facing the USC Trojans in a bowl game. And I think that would be a a pretty neat one. I mean, obviously that would get a ton of eyeballs I think you probably, unfortunately, I would like for him to play, but unfortunately you probably get Caleb Williams sitting out of that game, um, which will be unfortunate because then there would be potential for excuses there. But I think it would be kind of neat, kind of funny to beat USC in a bowl game. Obviously, no matter how the season ends up, we want to win our our bowl game. But, um, you know, there's just wanted to drop that fringe theory out there. Lincoln Riley would sit that game out if we played. I think Lincoln Riley would. (laughs) Immediately yeah. out. There's no doubt. He would sit the game. He would bounce. Lincoln would uh, just be like, "Oh, I got, I got COVID. I can't come." No, he, I think something like that. I think he would very much enjoy that. He'd be there, you know, as in his new position as the Raiders head coach to to scout. <laughs> yeah, that's, Jeez. Oh, please, please choose the Raiders. I don't Cliff, <laughs> USC head coach Cliff Kingsbury. No, in all. <laughs> He's gonna go to the Chargers, and I'm gonna be living in hell. And just, it's just gonna have to happen. Ugh. Maybe right. they let, maybe they let uh, Alex Grinch go early so he could start learning the Chargers uh, roster. Oh, Get yeah. ready to learn Chargers, buddy. Oh. <laughs> uh, I just, uh, I've got the scaries uh, right now. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would say ten win season though. Ten win season, I'd be happy if OU won out and. Even if we miss, I, I, you want to be in the Big Twelve Championship, you kick yourself if you're not there. But ten win season, I would be like, that's a moderate success. Yeah, um, you would be happy with it, or would you be like 
moderate. Like you would just be content. It's like content. I I wouldn't be mad. You would not be angry. Okay. I I would in terms of OEQ, I'd be like I I have two emotions and it's either happiness or anger. And so I, I don't know where this content level is. I would be I would still be angry. I would be like I mean, yeah, it'd be like okay. Well, we under we should have done better, but we won ten games and we have improvement. Next year, let's do better. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay, I think the thing is with this one is you know ten win season. Obviously, I'm not advocating against any of this, but we need a big like you need a big storyline because this is going to be a remembered season for forever, no matter what. I, I think a lot of other seasons you get that ten win season little, you know, hand-drawn win-loss record goes up on the wall at the Mons, and then 20 years from now you see it and you go, oh, hey, oh, you won 10 games in 2023. That must have been a pretty decent season in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, because this is the last year in the Big 12, the last bedlam, like all that stuff, 20 years from now, even if we get a 10-win season, people are going to look back and go, oh, yeah, that was the last year in the Big 12, the last bedlam, like, they lost to Kansas and they lost to, to Oklahoma state. Like people are always going to remember that. And it's almost one of those, like there's so much crowd noise that we need some sort of storyline that would be bigger than that to sort of wash it out. Um, and the, you're re- realistically the only thing that I can think of is in fact, you know, maybe beating USC um, mm-hmm. outside I of, think, outside of I some sort of right. anomaly where we where we come through and, and end up winning the Big 12. No, there's something else that I talked about at the beginning of the podcast, guys, that would make We face Texas like... State in a bowl game? Oh, that'd actually be beautiful. Um, <laughs> I but... don't think you have any Sun Belt ties. No, but I think I would still be happy moving on into next season if we put in Jackson Arnold and he throws for like 300 yards and like four touchdowns a game on average to end the season. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I you would have a lot of happiness moving into next season because you knew Jackson Arnold was good, and now he's proving mm-hmm. it to you. It that would that, would, be that would almost be worse because then you'd be like, "Oh, oh my God, we could have won and gone to the playoffs if we had done this we earlier." That's one of those doors you don't want to open. No, because I'm all about knowledge <laughs> is power, baby. But like. But yeah, knowledge is power. But then you know, like, oh no, we screwed ourselves. Like that sucks. So I mean, we knew we screwed ourselves, anyways. So. Yeah, um, I would rather it, at least have some optimism. More, Look, it, more it, realistically, it, we put in Jackson Arnold, and he re he reintroduces the fullback position of football. Yeah, you know, there was a real there. scenario if we did put in Jackson Arnold, there would be some hiccups here and there, and it'd be like we'd have some good things to say and some bad things to say, and you know, I I totally get that. I'm just saying there is a scenario tie. You said you couldn't think of another one. No one would remember that. Everyone, oh, that I, would be if, like if, if this was like Troy Aikman's half season. It would, it would be the it would, it would be, be the, the prologue. It'd be a prologue. Yeah, it would be like the kickstart to Jackson Arnold's big time career as an Oklahoma Sooner. Jameis is like, what if? Oh, what if we had a really cool started in his freshman season post credit scene where Jackson Arnold played <laughs> really good OU before transferring to Colorado to go six and uh, six every no, year but put up insane stats. No, there's no, there's zero percent chance that. No, not, 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 not Colorado, not Colorado. We should uh, hire Prime. <laughs> oh God! Oh God! And, and pod. Thank you for listening. We're not going to uh, break down Virginia today. Is there anything to break down with West Virginia? And I, I'm not no. trying to. Di- I'm not trying to 
look, we have a, we have our West Virginia regular, our guy Timothy. I'm not trying to insult Timothy, but like we know what West Virginia is, and we know what Neil Brown is. Hard nose offense. They run the football, play some defense. It's they, they're very steady. And look, I they can beat OU if OU doesn't show up and we continue to spiral. Um, but frankly, this is a team OU should beat. Um, mm-hmm. But we've said that against these about these past two teams. So we'll see. I think West Virginia is very underrated. I feel like a lot of people threw them into the dumpster after that Houston loss. I still think they're a very competent team, and this is not going to be a team to just like, oh, let's just move on. I think this is going to be yeah. a tough game for us. I agree. We didn't, uh, you guys may have gotten into it after the Kansas thing, but it, it cannot be understated, you know, the loss of Danny Stutzman on this OU team, uh, presumably, you know, coming back pretty close to, to being fully operational against West Virginia. I think that's going to be a big thing in terms of defensive vibe, in terms of, you know, big plays and everything else. And I think there will be a butterfly effect to that. Um, I, you know, I think maybe we would have won Bedlam with uh, Stutzman there, obviously the primary issues were on the uh, the offensive side, but that's that's sort of my one bit. That's a very surface level. Everyone in college football knows, you know, Danny Stutzman coming back, but that's kind of my key yeah. to the game. His that's ankle fair. will still not be 100%. It's going to be heavily taped, but, you know, just having the leader on your defense is always going to be a positive. And that's the thing is, it's like Kip Lewis played well, but they didn't have the fire. They didn't have the leadership aspect. Lewis was doing what you need to do on the field to like produce stats, produce results. And that's great. And honestly, they need to find a way to get him out there all the time. Um, it sucks that him and Danny but, play the same position. They're both weak side linebackers. Exactly. 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 Um, but yeah, just um, frankly, you need that heart and soul back on the defense. That's, that's what Stutzman provides. We just don't have, we don't have a lot of nasty on this team. We don't have a lot of aggression, both, like you're like when you take out Stutzman, you yeah. lose that like, aggression. Um, the offense just doesn't have it at all right now um, because of the play calling. Because it's it's flatter than it, it's as flat as like a Coke if you opened it on the day of OU Texas and it's just been sitting there. That is what what our offense has been. It's it's a Coke that is so so flat and probably growing mold at this point. And you just gotta throw it out throw it out and start over, but. Um, anyways, yeah, I, I don't know, guys. I think we talked enough about this disaster mm-hmm. of a football game and ap- apologies to anyone who wanted to hear an in-depth West Virginia talk. We just don't have it in us genuinely right now. Uh, we'll, we'll get to a lot more of that on Wednesday's episode of the weekend spread, which the past two weeks haven't given me a lot of joy, but the weekend spread results. Now those have been pretty good. That's been pretty good. Mason in the comments saying talk about the PI again. I'm sure he enjoyed that. <laughs> he's an OSU fan, so he's he's yucking it up, I'm sure. But no, it's um yeah, we could spread though. We have a new uh new leader in charge. Ten games over five hundred. It's me. I'm I'm that guy. <laughs> you guys All stay right. tuned. Bobby is going to finally atone for his sins on Wednesday, and it's going to be a I great am. thing. I have to eat that pickle. The <laughs> The bad luck has been overwhelming, and 
I'm look if I don't, I'm probably just going to end up like dying. Like the, the pickle, <laughs> the, 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 you've already had a life-threatening like, situation associated with it. Exactly, uh, karma is the pickle has tried to kill me <laughs> on one <laughs> case already. It tried to concuss me yesterday at the, before the game. I got slammed in the head by uh, by uh, our friend Michelle's like car's tailgate came down on my noggin. Right. <laughs> Tried to final destination me. You're gonna wake up to a horde of locusts in your yard. Yes, I know. See, Bobby and I had a conversation last night after the game, and I think he's finally starting to realize that whenever we were saying OU is doomed, that he didn't eat the fruity pebble pickle, we were saying like, "Oh, Bobby is doomed." OU. This is not no longer an OU thing. This is a Bobby issue. Bobby, all the things bad are happening to you. You are hurting yourself, your personal belongings. Uh, the Oklahoma City <laughs> Thunder are getting screwed over. The That's Oklahoma true, they Thunder are. Getting screwed over. <laughs> Everything right now is quite the whirlwind. And this is no longer an Oklahoma football problem. For your safety, Bobby, I really suggest you, you go out and get some fruity pebbles, fruit by the foot, and one of those big monster pickles or whatever they're called, big daddy pickle. Big papa pickle. Big papa pickle. Big papa pickle. Okay, yeah, it's it has to happen. I'm not forgetting this week. It's happening. Put in your reminders right now on your phone. Right uh, now. I'll do that right now. But first, I'm gonna end this podcast. Thank y'all so much for watching. We appreciate it. Um, whether you're here to laugh at a couple downtrodden sooners or just trying to mourn the loss with us, we appreciate it. Um, all the same. So um We'll be back at it. We'll be grinding through this season. Get get this thing over with and uh, march on towards the SEC. We can't wait. Um, but for me, Jameson, and Ty, this has been the Schooner Pod. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you on Wednesday for the weekend spread where we make our week 11 picks. Have a good one, everyone. Beat West Virginia, please, for the love of God. Boomer Sooner. <laughs> <laughs>